Acts chapter 18. As today we see Paul the Apostle, he travels uh, to Corinth, to Ephesus, to Jerusalem, and then finally back to his home church uh, in Antioch of Syria. We're going to have four lessons for those of you who write notes. Uh, Number one is just a lesson on drawing closer to God. You know, we're going to talk about how Paul took a vow and that basically what he wanted to do was, was draw close to God. Secondly, we're going to talk about waiting on the timing of God. You know, it's so important that we know the will of God and encompassed within the will of God is the timing of God. And then number three, we'll talk about strengthening the disciples of God. You know, sometimes people are struggling because they're weak and they need to be strengthened. And hopefully someone comes into their life and speaks words of edification to build them up. Because it's not enough just to know the will of God. You can't do the will of God without the strength of God. And so we're going to see that all these things build upon another. And then the last thing is explaining the salvation of God. And so I'll repeat those as we go through here. But some real real important lessons for life, okay? So we read here in Acts 18, beginning in verse 18. It says, And so Paul still remained a good while. Then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Cantria, for he had taken a, a, a vow. And so I know we kind of jump right in the middle of the story. For those of you who've been coming on Sunday mornings, you know more or less what's going on. For those of you who maybe haven't, we're right in the middle of Paul's uh, second missionary journey. And so here's a dude that's traveling the world to take the gospel to the various cities. Now he's gone into Europe and into Greece, right? And, and as he's there, we read here that he was in Corinth for a good while. We read that in verse 18. It literally means many days. And we know that according to verse 11 of this chapter, that Paul was there in Corinth for a year and a half, okay? And so then the day came where he, it says here, took leave of the brethren. But before he splits, he grabs a godly couple, Priscilla and Aquila, and then he has his hair cut off at Supercuts. Um, no, I'm just joking. It's Kentria, it says. You know, and, and again, not because he, he wanted a certain look. You know? uh, we get a haircut. Why? Because we want to look good, right? I mean, Paul got his haircut not because he wanted to look good on the outside. It's because he wanted to look good on the inside. And you're like, well, what are you talking about? What's it all about? Well, you have to go back to the book of Numbers, chapter 6. And there in Numbers, chapter 6, you'll read all about the Nazarite vow. And basically what it was was like, okay, you know what? Um, I want to draw near to God. I want to sanctify myself to God. I want to separate myself to God. And, you know, it might be a week. It might be a month. It might be three months. You're going to say, this is a special season of my life. And you would take the Nazarite vow. You couldn't drink wine and nothing that would have anything to do with grapes, you know, and so, you know, you would separate yourself from that. You, you couldn't uh, touch a dead body. If you said, okay, for 30 days, I'm going to separate myself to God, it didn't even matter if your parents died. You could not defile yourself with a dead body. And then during that time, you couldn't cut your hair. And so you wonder why, and I think all these things, if you really think about it, there's something about it, 
you know, that, that's applicable to us. But I do know this, that, you know, if I didn't cut my hair for, we'll say, six months, I would look a little different, you know? I mean, I would notice it. Let's just say you ladies, you took three months and you said no makeup. Think about that. For three months, no makeup. And, I, and you wonder, well, why? And, and it's, it's something about, like, just saying, you know what, I'm not even going to worry about my exterior. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be, you know, focused on the Lord for a, seri- a, seri- a season of my life because I want to draw near to God. You know, some people say, well, God feels so far. He's so far. Listen, you're as close to God as you want to be. He hasn't moved. See, we are the ones that move. You know, from what I understand, then they would take the hair. If you read Numbers chapter 6, verse 18, then the Nazarite shall shave his consecrated head at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and then take his hair and put it on the fire, which is under the sacrifice of the peace offering. And so... You know, you read this section right here. There's a little different views on it. I think I, I lean with Pastor Chuck. He said basically what they would do is they would cut their hair, then they would grow it, whatever, three months. Then when they got to Jerusalem, they would shave it again, and they would put the hair there as a burnt offering in Jerusalem. And, and again, why do they do this? It's because they wanted to draw near to God. And the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The Bible says in Psalm 73, verse 28, it is good for me to draw near to God. You know, like the guys in the men's retreat this last weekend, why did they do that? Is it because they liked the food? Well, maybe some of them. I wasn't, I don't know, you know, for all of them. I mean, uh, is it because they liked the mountains? Uh, There's a little bit of that there. Um, But they want to get away to draw near to God. That's why we do those things, right? I mean, there are special seasons. Recently, we did 40 days of fasting. You guys remember that? Some of you guys who did that? That was for the purpose of drawing near to God. You know, um, I was even thinking about the guys, how sometimes in the different sports, how they won't shave their, uh, their beards. They let it grow for a long time. I think it was in 2013, the Boston Red Sox did that. And I, I think they won the World Series that year. It's pretty interesting. You know, they, it, it, and we're not going to shave our beard. We're not going to cut our beard. It's a reminder every single day we're committed to something. We're committed, you know, to win. You know, some students, it's interesting, in various colleges, they'll, they'll do this after their regular classes end and until their finals are over. They won't shave because it's, again, a reminder during this time of our life we are focused on our studies and so for us it's just a constant reminder sometimes we need like extra help to remind ourselves that we must constantly be focused on god like right now i'm just drawing near to god why would you want to draw closer to god number one you could see him better you'll be able to see him discover him better but then number two you'll be able to hear him better Sometimes you can't hear someone because they're far away and you get closer. That's kind of how it is, you know, with the Lord. I mean, think about that. You can hear the voice of God if you draw near to God. Otherwise, you're not going to hear the voice of God because there's too many noises going on in the world that we live in. You know, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I even think in racing, you know, the other day I was watching, watching that movie Cars, you know, the Disney one, Cars. 
And I was just thinking how even in racing, there's those certain times where you got to bust the move, man. You know, and you have to go shift lanes and step on the gas so that you can kind of make that move. For us, that's the way it works. Life is like that so that we can draw closer to God. You know, how close you are to God is completely up to you and it makes all the difference in the world. You know, that's why some people struggle unnecessarily, you know. That's why some are, are doing better than others. Some are making an impact, fulfilling their God-given destiny as fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and as, you know, servants of the Lord and others aren't. It's all up to us. How close are you to God? You know, it's these vows that we make. It's these seasons of separation. Even Paul the Apostle, man, he had not arrived. He said, I even want to draw closer to the Lord. And so we see he makes that Nazarite vow. You know, one of my, my favorite stories in the entire Bible is found over in the book of Ruth. And if you guys remember what had happened there, um, you know, the, the, the mother-in-law um, Naomi, she, uh, she was hurting because her, her husband had died, her two sons had died. She was in Moab, and, and she wanted to go now back to Israel. And so her two daughters-in-law, they wanted to stay with her. They expressed an interest, like, well, we're interested in a relationship with you. We want to stay with you. And, uh, and then so they're kind of going back and forth. I think that in one sense, their relationship started getting tested a little bit. And then we read in Ruth chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And then they, as these daughter-in-laws are there with their mother-in-law, they lifted up their voices and wept again. It says, And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And I think in the church, there are some, they do lip service. They kiss the Lord, so to speak. They just talk about it. That's all they are is talk. But then there are those like Ruth who clung to her. And that's what I'm talking about. We can experience that closeness to God. God wants us to draw near. And I think Paul the Apostle, he gives us a lesson in that. Even him, one verse, you might read it and you might skip over it, you know, like you got his haircut, you know, ain't no thing, but no, it's a big thing. We should all do that, huh? You guys want to try that? Today we have a, 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 someone from the haircut shop, barbershop, and they'll shave you on the way out. <laughs> and then three months later, we'll do it again. I think that would be cool. So anyways, drawing closer to God is the first lesson. The second lesson is waiting for the timing of God. And so notice what we read in verse 19. It says, And he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem. But I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. And so when Paul arrives in Ephesus, he knows he can't stay there long because he has it in his heart to keep the upcoming feast in Jerusalem. You know, but he does make a pit stop. He does have a layover there in Ephesus. 
And while he's there, it might not even be the synagogue, it might not even be the Sabbath, but he goes into the synagogue and he reasons with the Jews and he just kind of tells them, you know, about Jesus. That's what he always did. But, you know, they asked him to stay. He couldn't because he had made a vow to God. You know, and you, and you wonder, well, wait a minute. All they wanted him to do was to tell him about Jesus. Well, it's not that he didn't care. He, he even leaves Priscilla and Aquila there to minister to them. But, but, he, but he tells them, listen, I've already got a commitment to God. I'm going to make this feast in Jerusalem. More than likely, it was the Passover feast. He said, I have to be there. God comes first in my life. But notice what we read in verse 21 again. Notice what it says. But I will return again to you, God willing. And then he sailed from Ephesus. And so this is a fascinating story. It's a great lesson on, on the importance of God's will which includes God's timing. You know, this is the third missionary journey, and if you guys study it out, you'll find out that it was three years. It was three years long, and when you read the Bible in the beginning, they had come to this place in, in Asia, and they tried to go to Ephesus. It would be like you tried to go to New York City. You know, you wanted to go to New York because you wanted to share the gospel there. But, but the Holy Spirit didn't permit them to go there. It says in Acts 16, verse 6, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. You know, I mean, I don't know if you guys want to go to New York. Maybe some do, some don't. How many of you guys want to go to Hawaii? Just out of curiosity. Hawaii, you know, and you're like, hey, I would like to go to Hawaii. And God says no. And then, you know, for a lot of people, you're like, but I really want to go to Hawaii. You know, that's where Paul was. I really want to go to Ephesus. I want to share the gospel there. Corinth has 200,000 citizens. Ephesus has 300,000 citizens. I mean, Ephesus would eventually be the place where Paul would set up camp when he was to die. That was the church. That was where Timothy was. That's how awesome this city was. He wanted this bad. But now, uh, three years later, he has the opportunity again, but he says, no, I can't. Even though I want to, it's not God's will, it's not God's timing, Lord willing, he says, I'll be back. And there is a, a lesson for us in that, you guys. You know, he has drawn near to God. How can someone do this? How can you resist such a temptation? You know, because you, you want this so bad. But, but you're, you're, you're spiritual enough to know that right now it's not God's will. Right now it's not God's timing. A lot of us here, you know what we would do? We would change our plans. We would say like, okay, I know God wanted me to go to Passover, but now I'm not going to pass up this opportunity because it's an opportunity to preach the gospel in Ephesus. How can you say no to that? That you really have to have drawn near to God. And that's where Paul was. He, he drew near to God. He heard his will. Even though it was something he wanted with all his heart, he knew that the timing was wrong. And so when they asked him to stay longer, he said, no, I got to go to Jerusalem. I've made a vow to God, but in, if it's his will, I'll, I will be back. And for those of you who know the Bible, you know that eventually he did come back, right? And he planted a great church in Ephesus, and he ministered there for three years. And what ended up happening was this. 
God blessed him for waiting. God blessed him for waiting. And God will do that. You know, for example, if you're tempted to, you know, you know have sex before marriage, that's a huge temptation. Our body wants it, right? I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a tough temptation. But if you wait until you're married, God will bless you. And that goes for so many things in life, you know? A lot of times, have you guys ever heard that saying, haste makes waste. We get ahead of God. It's like trying to eat, you know, an avocado that's green. How many of you here like guacamole? You know what I'm talking about. When it's ready, it is so good. And the timing is so important because, you know, if it's green, I mean, I tried it. I tried boiling it and different things. And <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> You know, I mean, but you know, you got to wait and wait until then when the timing is just right, then you cut it. But if you wait too long, then it gets all bruised up and stuff. And so the time, the perfect timing is so important. And so when you're waiting on the Lord, you're not ahead of him. You're not lagging behind. You're staying in step with the spirit. God does a wonderful work. You know, it is important. It is vital. It is critical for us to wait on God even though it can be challenging at times. We have to be honest. There once was a man who was very agitated. And so his wife asked him, why are you so troubled? And he said, because I'm in a hurry and God's not. (laughs) How many of you are in a hurry and you're finding out that God's not (laughs) in a hurry? You know, I I really want to encourage you to wait on the Lord because God's timing is perfect. You know, I was thinking about Achan in the book of Joshua, how when he went into Jericho, he took the the treasures that he shouldn't have took. God told him no. And so as a result of that, do you guys remember the story? He died. He died. His family died. And it's a crazy story because if only he would have waited a little longer they were then allowed when they went into the next city to get those treasures. See, that's how important it is that we don't go ahead of the Lord. We need to wait for His will. And so much of His will is rooted in His perfect timing. You know, David was anointed as king, but it took 10 years to prepare him for that place. Joseph had a dream, but it took 13 years of suffering for it to come true. But when it came true, what a great work that God did. When Abraham was promised a son, he had to wait, however, 25 years to claim that promise. And when he did, it was undeniable that God did that work. That's why it's important that you wait on the Lord. You know, Moses knew his calling. It was in his heart. But he had to wait 40 years while God humbled him as well as the people. Because the people weren't ready. Moses wasn't ready and God wasn't ready to judge the Canaanites. Everything has to come together in God's perfect timing. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. You know, I've told you guys before, we like to think of things in terms of time. But God always thinks in terms of timing. You know, I was thinking about Pastor Chuck. Thank God he didn't give up. It was tough. He said it took 17 years in the refiner's fire before God began to bless Calvary Chapel 
in the tremendous way that he did. And the Bible says in Psalm 37 and verse 3, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And so it's a lesson, huh? A lesson in drawing closer to God, a lesson in waiting for the timing of God. And then number three, a lesson in strengthening the disciples of God. Because look what we read next in verse 22. It says, And when he had landed at Caesarea and gone up and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch, and after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. You know, if you go to Israel with us, you'll see uh, the remnants of Caesarea. And even though it's been many years, it's, you can still tell this was a happening city, Caesarea. But Paul doesn't stay there or even slow down to smell the roses he lands in Caesarea, and he goes up to Jerusalem, because every time you go to Jerusalem, you go up. So we know he's going up to Jerusalem. He greets the saints. He probably burns his hair. He pays the vow. And then he goes down to Antioch. That was originally his sending church, but he doesn't stay there long. Uh, like Willie Nelson, he's on the road again. I mean, this guy is always moving, right? And, and what he does is he's always moving, homeboy's always moving is he checks in on those churches that he's planted the bible says strengthening that's so amazing look again there in verse 23 strengthening all the disciples and as disciples we need to know god's will like i told you guys before hey you know god doesn't want you to have sex before you get married or god doesn't want you to get high or drunk or you know, God doesn't want you to do things that are contrary to his word. You know, he wants us to stay humble. He wants us to stay teachable. He wants us, you know, to be good husbands, you know, good wives. It's a challenge, huh? It's a challenge. But, but that's why, you, you know, you've got to know God's will. We, we need to know the will of God. But we also need the, the power of God. We need the strength of God. Before I was a Christian, I could not stop doing drugs. I did drugs for 10 straight years. Before I was a Christian, I couldn't stop drinking. I didn't just drink beer. I did beer bongs. I mean, 10 straight years. Nitrous oxide, 10 straight years. Cocaine, you name it. F-bombs. Sex before marriage. I could not stop. I knew it was wrong. I knew the will of God, but I did not have the power of God. Until one day, August 20th, 1989, when I gave my life to Christ and the power of God came into my life and I never did those things again. Was that me? Absolutely not. It was me in one sense saying, Lord, work in me. Lord, give me your strength. And that's what happens when you give your life to Christ. And that's what happens when God begins to use people like you know, like, you know, the pastor that was sharing the gospel that day, Pastor Raul Reese or whoever it was, he's a vessel and you go around and you share and you strengthen people. And that's what Paul did over and over again in the book of Acts. We need the strength to do God's will. And, and it's interesting, I, I like the passage in Judges 4.24, it says, And the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger 
and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. You know, and that's what we need to do. We need to grow stronger and stronger. I would love for our church to grow stronger and stronger. I mean, the, the word right here is an interesting word, episterizo. We see it frequently in the book of Acts. And I, I want to look at a couple of verses with you guys, if it's all right. Um, the, one of them is over in Acts 14, 22. If you turn there, notice what we read in verse 22. As these guys go and they're preaching the gospel, they're going back to the different cities that they had planted churches in. And it says in verse 22, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Now it's the same Greek word, episterizo and as a matter of fact it's kind of related to our word steroids in one sense but you know this is a this is a pure this is a pure this is a pure power and as they're there you know they're telling them hey you guys are going to go through hard times as christians you know and i don't want to tell you that you know if you become a christian everything's going to be perfect no way man it's not like that we live in a fallen world and fallen bodies we fight fallen angels they're called demons it's going to be tough the devil if you give your life to christ he'll fight you tooth and nail because he does not want you to follow jesus he does not want you to help others do good and come to heaven and so it's going to be a battle so he tells them, we must through many tribulations. I just want to let you know, get you know ahead of time. That way, when it happens, you don't trip out. That way, when it happens, you don't slip and say, okay, forget it. No, I knew ahead of time it wouldn't be easy. And so there's that aspect of it. But, but the thing I like about this verse is that, is that word exhorting them. Exhorting them. Now, we don't use the word exhort too much. But we do use another word that's really related to this, and it's really more along the lines of encouraging them. Encouraging them. And we're going to see that that's really a, a large part of what it means for God to use my life to strengthen someone else. As I come and I tell them, listen, you can do this. You can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, when you go work out, right, and you're working out by yourself, you can only lift so much weight. Like for me, I can only bench like 350 now by myself, right? <laughs> and so, but when I have my buddy with me, when I have someone there with me, they're encouraging me. They're they're saying, you know, no, you can do this. And they might have their hands there. And they're not really doing it for me, but there's something about that encouragement there that makes me stronger. And that's, that's what's going on. Paul, as he goes down to these churches, he's giving them the word. And when he's giving them the word, he's building them up. That we, we use that word edification, building them up. But he's telling them, listen, you guys got to know this. And I think it's a word of, of positive encouragement. You can do this. And there's something about having someone in your corner who tells you you can do this that strengthens you. You know, when I was a young guy, I remember my, my aunt and uncle, they signed me up for sports and they signed me up for baseball and uh i remember I, and i was appreciative that they did sign me up the one thing that always bummed me out is i never showed up 
you know, to, to, to root me on. I would always look out to see if anyone was there. They, they weren't there, but that's okay. You know what? I had a coach. I had a coach, and I remember specifically when I was 12 years old, he, he changed my name from Manuel to Manny Moda. And, and Manny Moda was a good pinch hitter for the Dodgers. And something about that, he started calling me Manny, and he started encouraging me. And, I was, and I'm not going to brag or anything, but I was good. <laughs> when I was 12 years old, when I was 12 years old, I was good. And I made the all-star team in, in, a, in a league, Juan Morado and West Covina. That league is a good league. That league won the World Series. So we're not talking about shady players. We're talking about, you know, guys that were really good. And I'll never forget the first home run I hit. And I tell you what, to hit a home run, it feels good. You hit it over the fence. But it was because of my coach who gave me those words of encouragement, who said, you know, you're like Manny Moda. You can do this. And I remember, I'll still remember, because you know how you have these flashes in your mind of memories in your life? I remember when I was running those bases and I, and I rounded third base and he slashed me on, you know, right there. Guys can do that. And, and he said, long overdue. And it was just so cool because there is something about having someone to encourage you that changes everything. You know, last night I was watching Rocky too, And uh, you guys know, I mean, such a, a good movie. I mean, you know, for the most part. But I mean, remember uh, Mickey, you know, because that was Rocky's trainer. And so he's in the corner and, and Rocky's getting beat up by Apollo Creed. But you know what? Mickey says, you know what? He told him, he said, no more. He said, I want you to mow him down. He said, you are an Italian tank. That's what he told Rocky. And Rocky's all, yeah? And he said, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm serious. And it just, and it moved him and it motivated him. And, and what I, I think the word exhortation, the word encouraging, that, that's what I'm talking about. It's something about having someone who can believe in you that strengthens our faith. You know, one famous author I read about said that four of the most important words she ever heard in her life were the words, of course you can. She said she was fortunate to have had a father who was good at shouting those words to her, of course you can, at just the right moments in her life. Once, when she was in high school, her family had moved to a city from a small town and she loved the city and wrote an article about it, wanting more than anything to have the article published in the paper. She didn't expect it to be published, however, because the paper had a very tight budget and bought practically no freelance material. And so she went to her dad and she wrote the article and she said, I don't think I can get it published. And her dad said, of course you can. And she did, launching her career as a writer. What does the Bible say? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whenever I get someone coming in who's struggling with drugs or alcohol or any type of sin, that's what I get them. I can, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, I was reading about this and there's so much, you know, regarding the, the, the having someone uh, to cheer you on. Not a motivational speaker, you know, with a positive message, but an inspirational speaker in the truest sense of the word with a biblical message. And that's who Paul was, and he did it with passion 
and he did it tirelessly. Aren't you guys tripping out on the way he just is keeping moving? Paul was hyper, wasn't he? <laughs> you know, I mean, he goes to his missionary journey, Jerusalem, Antioch, boom, he's on the move again, checking out those churches in Galatia, strengthening the church. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so we learn these lessons, and they're important lessons for us. Number one, draw close to God. Somehow, some way, you draw close to God. Secondly, wait for the timing of God. Don't go ahead. Don't lag behind. Wait for His will, which includes His timing. Number three, strengthen the disciples of God. And as you do, you go and you visit someone and you give them God's word and you speak that positive message of faith and encouragement into their life. And then number four, he's explaining the salvation of God. And says, and, and so in verse 24, and after, oops, I'm sorry, Acts 18, in verse 24, now a, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. And so he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he desired to go across to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. So next week we'll be in this great city of Ephesus, but this is kind of like a prelude to it. And there's a lot we could say about this guy, Apollos, here in Ephesus. He was an educated man uh, in Alexandria. He was eloquent. I mean, to me, it's very impressive. Notice what it says right here, that he, um, it's impressive to me that we read he was mighty in the scriptures. Think about that. I mean, mighty in the scriptures. I mean, he was fervent in spirit meaning he was a very passionate man. I mean, this guy had a lot going for him, right? But he was limited in his understanding. Again, we don't know the details of his doctrine. We know he spoke of the Lord Jesus, but he only went as far as the baptism of John. Now, John's baptism, it symbolized cleansing by God because of repentance towards him, but but Christian baptism, it pictures union with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection by means of the Holy Spirit, right? And so um, he knew a lot. He knew the Old Testament. He's passionate, gifted, educated, eloquent. And so basically when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they saw the potential in this guy. And so they didn't embarrass him publicly. They pulled him aside, and they were then used by God to speak to him and to teach him the gospel more accurately. And as a result of that, they were then able to write a letter of recommendation and he went across the sea to Corinth 
And it says that when he arrived in Corinth, he greatly helped them because he was gifted, he was godly, he was rooted now in the scriptures, and he vigorously refuted the Jews, showing them that Jesus truly was the Christ, that he's the savior of the world. You know, and when I was reading this section right here, to me it was interesting how they kind of build upon each other, you know? I mean, when I, when I read the whole uh, lesson for today, you know, to me it's interesting how, how drawing closer to God, you know, uh, gave Paul the strength, you know, to, to wait for the perfect timing of God. And then when he arrived, it was right on time to, you know, give them the power of God to strengthen them in God and then it's interesting because then they were able to strengthen others. So Paul undoubtedly poured into the lives of Aquila and Priscilla. And then they poured into the lives and they strengthened Apollos. And then Apollos goes over to Corinth and he strengthens them. And to me, it's just so cool. That's, that's the way it works. I mean, hopefully today there's something you take away from the study that will strengthen you. And I'll tell you what, you can go home and you can talk to your kids. Or you can see this, you know, how they build upon each other in such a way to where Apollos, his ministry, became so powerful that eventually what happened in the church is people started saying, well, I'm following Paul and I'm following Peter. And then they put Apollos up there. I'm following Apollos. And that was wrong, because a lot of times we do that. No, we don't follow men, right? Who do we follow? Amen. Jesus. But I will tell you this, that God used Apollos. He was, he was gifted. He was eloquent. Um, Paul would later write to the Corinthians themselves in chapter 3, and verse 5 and 6, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. He said, I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And Apollos went and he opened up the Bible and he proved to them that Jesus truly is the Christ. He's the savior of the world. And at the end of the day, that's the most important message of all. And I was telling my son today on the way in, I said, you know, son, um, when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised at, at some who made it. We're going to be like, wow, you made it. I can't believe it. And we're going to be surprised at some who, who didn't. I mean, they went to church every week. But they did not know the Lord. You know, I don't know where you're at in this whole thing. But do you know the Lord? Have you given your heart to Christ? You know, he died on a cross. He rose again. You know, and he, he suffered, man. He bore all your sins. He was scourged. He was nailed. He was mocked. He was spit on. He was beaten. They crowned him with thorns. I mean, he suffered all our sins, and he took the wrath of God at the same time, the beatings of Satan. He went through all that for us so that all you have to do is believe. 
and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. All you have to do is go forward and say, yes, I will follow Jesus. That's all you have to do. And the moment that you do it, not just in your head, but in your heart, the moment that you do it, you're saved, you're washed, you're clean, you're free, you're forgiven. The moment that you do that, when I did it, I'll never forget, God came into my life. The moment, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift that God wants to give you today. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one, prophet, priest, and king. He died on that cross so that we might live. And so, you know, I pray that you're not just plain church. You know, that you're not one of those who, who says, well, yeah, I'm okay, I'm a good person, I'm sure I'll be all right. No way. If you could just be a good person to go to heaven, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die. No, you have to receive Christ. The Bible says as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here today and you don't know for sure whether or not you are in a right relationship with God, listen, this is what it's all about. If you want to, you can leave the same way you came in. But if you want to, you can leave a completely different person washed in the blood of Jesus. And so that's a choice that you have to make. I pray that if that's you today and you know something so simple, so wonderful, that you can be forgiven and set free today, that you would make that decision to follow Christ.